Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Pardon the interruption, but I'm Pablo Torre, back on PTI again, and so you must have liked what you saw of me last week, Tony. Tony Kornheiser, you hosted last week. You think I would watch this thing when I'm not on it? You think I would watch it when I am on it? You think I would watch it on ESPN2? That's a lot of questions for you. They're all answered in the same way. No! No! Yeah, I would not. I've, no. I, I now appreciate that. What I do on my own time is of minimal interest to the guy that I call my grandfather. Thank you, appreciate it. Yeah, it's because you're my grandson, which we will get to in a second. Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. I've moved from an attic to a basement, but I'm back, baby. Wilbon isn't, so I am joined by our great friend from the ESPN Daily Podcast and the online show, Debatable. I'm unfamiliar with that, but I am familiar with my grandson, Pablo Torre. Get familiar, Grandpa, get familiar, please. Cheers. Cheers are wonderful, and we begin today with Serena Williams, playing in what might be her last ever singles match in a Grand Slam tournament. Serena is the primetime attraction tonight at the U.S. Open, taking on Danka Kovinic, the 80th-ranked player in the world at 7 p.m. Pablo, what is fair to expect? Tony, it's fair to expect a fight. I mean, we watched Serena live together against Harmony Tan, lose to Harmony Tan in Wimbledon the last time she played in the first round of that tournament back in June, right? And the thing we came away from that saying to ourselves was, at the very least, this was exciting, entertaining, and she did not roll over. And so the Serena now, who has declared this, I mean, she's not going to say this is my last go-round, but she is hinting that this may be her last go-round. I feel like we're going to see a Serena Williams who is there with a certain bloodthirst a certain fight that's even larger than the thing we saw in England. Yeah, so I've, I've covered this event. I've been there lots of times. I've covered the U.S. Open for three different newspapers a long time ago, but I remember what it's like. And what it is like is very simple. At night, there is an electricity that especially yes. seems to affect the old war horses. I'll go back about 35 years to Jimmy Connors when he was maybe 36 or 37 years old. And he played every match at night. He got through at least to the semifinals, I believe. He became the werewolf of center court. Look, I don't mm. think Serena Williams can win this tournament. I don't even think she can win the next match, which might be against the number two seed. But I think That's she right. can win tonight. I think the crowd is going to carry her along. I think the adrenaline is going to carry her along. And I know what you're saying about Harmony Tan in the first round of Wimbledon. But I think tonight... Serena wins this match. I do. Yeah, I think a lot of the energy about these games, and I've been there too, Tony, watching at night as a fan. Um, I was embryonic during the story you just told, but nonetheless, I can relate to what you're describing, the werewolf stuff. I think people are expecting something like a diplomatic ceremony where she's going to recede at some point in this tournament, and the people that she inspired, Coco Goff, who just won today, they'll take the mantle. But Serena, you know... She has some werewolf left in her to keep on torturing this metaphor. She does not want to. She is not going to be willing to hand this torch to somebody. She is going to force them to take it from her. 
No, I, and I agree with that. And, and you ask the question, well, why is she on in prime time? She's on in prime time because she's the biggest draw in women's tennis and has been for quite some Still. time. Ten years from now, when she's 50 years old, if she wants to play at night, they're going to put her on television. There are a lot of women, Pablo, who have won in the last four or five years one or two majors. Nobody has as many as five. Naomi Osaka, I believe, has four, but with her situation, you don't know how often she's going to get out there again. Serena has 23. People want to see (laughs) Serena Williams. I'm not certain, Pablo, that she'll never play Wimbledon again. I'm not certain she'll not play the U.S. Open again because I know she doesn't want to retire. She hates the whole thought of retiring, but she does talk about having another child. And that would take her out for at least two years. So it is possible this is it. And, and so, no. as, as people say, get your popcorn. Get your popcorn on this one. Absolutely. This is the place where she has a particularly special and fraught relationship emotionally with Tony, as we know as well. But speaking of fraught emotional relationships, let's turn to golf because Rory McIlroy just won the PGA Tour Championship. He was six shots back to start the day, but he carded a 66 to beat Scotty Scheffler by one stroke. And you know this, McIlroy has been a staunch defender of the PGA Tour, but news leaked on Saturday that British Open champ Cam Smith and as many as five other players are soon going to join the Saudi Live Tour. And so what's the bigger news here? Is it McIlroy winning or the PGA Tour losing yet more players? Thank you for leading to me on this. This is my wheelhouse. I watched almost really every is. shot in this particular tournament. And I'm going to start with the Saudi tour. Okay, I'm going to start with that. Cam Smith is 29 years old, and he is a star. He is a huge get for the Saudi tour. As you said, he won the British Open. I think he also won the Players' Championship. He's the number two ranked player in the world. He's a big get. But, and there's always a but, he's not from here. He's Australian. He's not that familiar here yet. I would tell you that if it's true that Harold Varner III is joining the Saudi tour, that's as important as Cam Smith, because Harold Varner III is a black American golfer. There are not many of them. He's the person that the PGA Tour should want to covet and promote and talk about in terms of inclusion. I'm a little bit surprised he's going. All told, though, all told, I don't think this is that big a deal, the constant announcement of players leaving. And I know they have players who've won majors, like Kepka, and DJ's won majors, and Reed has won a major, DeChambeau, Oosthuizen. Yep. But the impact that the Saudi tour has right now is only when they make these announcements, because nobody sees it, nobody watches it, nobody knows where it's being played until and unless they get a television contract, Pablo. They are vapor at the moment. They have no traction yet. But, Tony, I want to push back on some of your language there because I think there is an impact being felt outside of that. And it's literally in the, the whole player impact program, which they just doubled the pool of, $50 million to $100 million. Oh, sure. It's in this prize money. It's in the purses being increased. It's in the fact that the PGA Tour well, is now toying. They're in a yes, fight. No. But, but so part of me thinks that these two stories are actually kind of one story, right? Like Rory McIlroy getting $18 million, winning the FedEx Cup, doing all of that is great. It's also directly related to the thinking of, I think, the people in the field who are totally. wondering, wait, do I go and try to compete with Rory and maybe not get anything? Or except for that little sort of the fee that I get? Or do I get the guaranteed big bucks from the Saudi yeah. sovereign government? And that the Royal Wealth Fund, this, and that to me is part of this, obviously, in the biggest way. You're right. 
This is the fallout. The fallout is more money for the people who stay on the PGA Tour. The answer to the question is Rory winning is a bigger deal. Jay Monahan basically did an end zone dance when Rory <laughs> won. Okay, because Rory is the spokesman for the tour. Rory is yes. more tied to the tour than anyone else. Cam Smith in this event, I believe, finished 20th. He finished way up the track. But Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler and Justin Thomas and John Rahm and Patrick Cantlay and others, uh, Xander Schauffele, they were in contention the entire tournament. And at the end, Pablo, they gave you the number one player in the world against the number three player in the world, head-to-head -head for 18 holes. You can't ask any more no. of a tournament than that. Tony, let me ask you one more question, though, because Phil Mickelson, right? We know who he is as a character in this play. Does it feel yeah. increasingly, yeah. though, like he was right about quite a bit in terms of the business of the PGA needing to change oh. outside of the moral complexity, of course, and the obvious moral oh, indictment Pablo. involved. Pablo, he's Cassandra. He's the prophet without honor. He'd been right about everything. Yes. He'd been yes, right down yes. the line, but his career, had he's been slaughtered for it. Let's move to Nebraska football. Why would I even think this way? The Cornhuskers <laughs> lost an 11-point lead in Ireland over the weekend and then lost to Wilbon's Northwestern. The critical coaching decision was an attempted onside kick by Nebraska when they were ahead 28-17, and it backfired. Northwestern dominated from there. Scott Frost is getting crushed for this. Pablo, would it look bad for Nebraska to fire Frost after bringing him back at a pay cut this season? Tony, this is a remarkable story because it was hard for me, very hard for me to distinguish between the shrieks of an ecstatic Wilbon in Dublin from the... Yeah shrieks of a truly depressed Nebraska fan base, which traveled to Ireland to watch their coach go to 5-21 and 21 in one-score games. That is Scott Frost's record. This is a play, this is a movie that the state of Nebraska feels trapped inside of. I had never, I had never really contemplated how bad Scott Frost has been at Nebraska until I saw this stat. He could win 50 games in a row and still have a worse record than Bo Pelini, the guy they fired to go bring Scott Frost in. I, I, firing him right now is not going to be controversial. It would be popular, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we can impress enough upon people how important the Nebraska football team is in the state of Nebraska. No, it's, this is a really big <laughs> deal. I am stunned by this, Pablo, stunned in this regard. I thought Scott Frost was a perfect hire. He's an alum of Nebraska. He played, I believe, on two national championship teams. Looks the part. He did a great yeah. job in Central Florida. I, I, it felt so right. And as you say, his record is awful. He's now 1-9 in his last 10. I think he's 15-30 and 30 overall. Bo Pelini, who you mentioned, and there was, an in, there was a, a guy in between Bo Pelini and, um, and Scott yes, Frost. Yes, that's right. That's right. But Bo Pelini never won fewer than nine games. And Scott Frost has never won more than five. As a general rule, I don't think you fire people mid-season or even at the beginning of the season, unless there's malfeasance in college. I mean, I wouldn't do it. The analogy I would make is to Patrick Ewing, who has no record at all at Georgetown, and he's an alum, and I would keep him for the duration of the contract. Mm. But I'm sure there are most people in Nebraska who had hoped Scott Frost wouldn't get on the plane back from Ireland that he would just stay in Dublin and become an itinerant lounge singer because they blame him. And again, I thought he was the perfect hire.
No, Tony, I had not. I don't remember. Have you ever heard a coach get asked in a post-game presser, fundamentally, are you going to resign? And for the coach to have to clarify, yeah. no, I'm ha I have fighting left in me. Like, out of a sense of decency, sir, will you please resign is something you ask a politician guilty of malfeasance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And the new AD there, I believe, is Trev Alberts, who's a football player at Nebraska as well, and who would understand this. I, you know, Wilbon talks about this all the time. I'm sorry Wilbon isn't here for this particular reason. I had him on my podcast this morning, and he said that's the yes. greatest Northwestern win he ever saw live. But what he also <laughs> says all the time is Nebraska overrates itself constantly, thinks they are better than they are, thinks they ought to be better than they are all the time. Let's take a break. Coming up, Jim Harbaugh plans to start different quarterbacks in Michigan's first two games. Does that make sense? And was Blooper the mascot out of line in Saturday's game against literal children? So, Wilbon loved Ireland. He wants to go back. I was he played say. Valley Bunyan. He played Adair Manor. He wants to go back. Like maybe next week. Pardon the interruption is brought to you by Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code PTI. That's code PTI. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. It's mail time. You write them. I guess we got to read them. Let me see what's first here. You ready, Pablo? Mail time! This is the first one production value. Does Jim Harbaugh's plan to start different quarterbacks in the first two games make sense to you? So this is interesting, Tony, because Cade McNamara is the guy who blew out Ohio State. He is the incumbent. J.J. McCarthy is the new guy, the guy that clearly Jim Harbaugh is very intrigued by. The thing that's baffling to me about this is that they know these two quarterbacks so much better than we do, and somehow they're going to evaluate these two quarterbacks on the two games that we're going to see. And so the question that I have is, who are you trying to convince here, Tony? This feels like something you do because you want the public to feel the way that you do about the guy you want to start over the popular incumbent. This feels like an excuse to say, hey, J.J. McCarthy, you just saw him. He's better than you think. Don't blame us for getting rid of the guy that just beat our most hated rival. So, you know, my feeling is it won't work at all 
if McNamara goes out there against its Colorado State, right, and throws six touchdown passes and Michigan wins by 40. But if that doesn't happen, I'm sort of I'm okay with this. These are non-conference games. I think if you're Michigan, you're supposed to beat Colorado State. You're supposed to beat Hawaii. And then you make a decision. Where you and I don't know that we differ on this. I think it feels like Jim Harbaugh doesn't want to make this decision. He wants the players to make this decision. But if after two games they have both played well or they have both played poorly, then it's on Harbaugh's racket. And he's going to have to do it. And he's going to have to take the heat because, Pablo, what they always say is if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Well, this is why I think the answer is he just doesn't want to be blamed for the decision, which would be very similar to what you just said. No blame, but I'll make the decision technically. Blooper the mascot, stiff-arming kids, fair or foul? So I didn't know who Blooper was before this topic. I didn't realize that there was a whole halftime of an Atlanta Falcons preseason game where this would happen, where Blooper would go march on Lynch on these kids. To me, it's remarkable what you can get away with as an adult if you just wear a mascot costume. Because imagine this scene, Tony, if those were just adults. It would feel criminal, but instead, right now, it's very, very fair because look how cute they are. Okay. It's a terrible thing that went on. It's absolutely awful. Terrible. These mascots are full-grown men and often very good athletes. You should never be putting a kid on the ground, and worse, you don't stand there and celebrate after you put a kid on the ground. Blooper is apparently the mascot of the Braves. Do I have that correct? Let's see Sounds him go right. out there against the Atlanta Falcons and see how long it takes for him to be <laughs> picking up his teeth when he challenges an actual athlete. They, I will tell you that in Washington, I'm not Wilbon, I don't hate mascots, but I'll tell you that in games I've been to in Washington, basketball games, baseball games, hockey games, the mascots are very chesty. They put their hands on you. They touch you. They bump you. They push you. That's really not a good look. Now, to be fair, kids bite the mascots. That's not good. You can't bite the mascot. But by and large, you, you're an adult. You should not be doing this at all, at all. Tony, it is shocking to hear you say that because doing this show with you feels like being stiff-armed by an older person wearing a mascot costume. <laughs> well, I, if I put on a mascot costume, I would try to do that. Enough email. Let's take one last break still to come. How worried should the Astros be about Justin Verlander's injury? And Mitch Trubisky appears to have won the Steelers' quarterback job, so why isn't the team making this official? So Wilbon hates all mascots. I mean, I'm sure if the Bulls had a mascot, he'd like it. But he hates all mascots and would love to trash that kid. Blooper. Mascots, analytics, young people. Hates analytics. Launch angle. What else is there? The internet, modernity, computers of all kinds. Bloggers. Modernity, yes. Hopefully not yes. me. PTI fans, listen up. Have you heard you can listen to episodes of this very show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership? That's right. All your favorite PTI episodes can be heard on Amazon Music ad-free. But that's not all. You can listen to other top podcasts like The Low Post and First Take ad-free as well. They also have your favorite shows like The Daily, Part of My Take, and Up First, all without ads. You know what this means. 
uninterrupted listening, so no more cliffhangers. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts, so we know they definitely have something for you. And it's already included in your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to Amazon.com slash PTI. That's Amazon.com slash PTI to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Happy time, people. Happy 30th birthday, Noah Syndergaard. After spending his entire career with the Mets, Syndergaard had opted for the Angels this year. Didn't work out, he was traded to the Phillies. Syndergaard got roughed up in a start yesterday, giving up nine hits, five earned, and five and two-thirds innings. But prior to that, Syndergaard was 3-0 with Philadelphia, and the team was 4-0 in his starts. Unlike the Angels, the Phillies are very much alive in the wildcard race, setting up the tantalizing possibility, Pablo, that Thor could end up pitching in Queens against his former team. And it's worth remembering, Tony, his former team here, a team that had declared a Generation K once before, right? Bill Pulsifer, Paul Wilson, Jason Isringhausen, then going to Syndergaard and Zach Wheeler and DeGrom, and now they have just DeGrom holding on by a thread. I hope, I hope Syndergaard does it poetically. Yeah, ruin them and get a new way this time. A not-so-happy anniversary, Philly fanatic. Around this day, 34 years ago, the late, great Tommy Lasorda did not take kindly to the fanatic parading around with a stuffed, fat likeness of the Dodgers manager. Lasorda first attempted to hijack the fanatic's trademark four-wheeler and then, moving faster than he had in years, chased the mascot down, <laughs> grabbed the Lasorda dummy. Lasorda ultimately pummeled the fanatic with the dummy and then threw a ball at the fanatic as he drove away. You simply can't go wrong showing clips of the Philly Fanatic and Tommy Lasorda. It's gold, Jerry. Tony, as much as Wilbon hates mascots, Tommy Lasorda has picked fights with all three mascots in the Hall of Fame. The San Diego Chicken, right? Obviously, Yuppie. Who can forget the other great clip? Him versus Yuppie. And now, of course, the Philly Fanatic. Like, that guy, God bless him, he deserves to be immortalized with a mascot made out of that effigy that he beat the Philly Fanatic with. Happy trails to Curacao in the Little League World Series. The international champions were routed by the United States championship team from Hawaii in yesterday's finale. The score was 13-3 and the mercy rule was invoked after the fourth inning with Hawaii up by 10 runs. This is Hawaii's fourth Little League World Series title, most recently in 2018. In their six games, Hawaii outscored opponents 60-5. Curacao <laughs> scored first yesterday. But Hawaii got two home runs in the bottom of the first inning. I'm quoting here, we are fortunate that everything clicked at the right moment, unquote, said Hawaii manager Gerald Oda, who managed the winning 2018 team as well. 
Whenever Hawaii dominates a Little League World Series, Tony, I do two things. Number one, I scan the roster and the photos of all the kids to find any trace amounts of Filipino ancestry. I found a couple of kids in the Benny Agbayani mold. Shout out to them. But also, I wonder why doesn't the major leagues have a mercy rule? Mercy ruling your opponent should be an actual statistic at the highest level of baseball. It is incredible to see that. One error, by the way, the Bulls do have a mascot, Benny the Bull. I've got to call yes, Wilbon later yes. and find out how he feels about that. Let's go to the big finish. The Bills released rookie punter Matt Ariza on Saturday night. He has been accused of rape. Your thoughts? This came way too late, Tony. The Bills have no high ground. They had cut their punter, Matt Hawk, earlier in the week, last week. Like, they knew what they were doing. Mitch Trubisky, meanwhile, meant he went 15 of 19 for 160 yards and a touchdown yesterday, but Mike Tomlin will still wait to name his starter. Is that okay by you? This is trending. First you have Harbaugh doing it, now Tomlin doing it. Trubisky has won the job. Pickett looks good. Trubisky has won the job. Shohei Otani and Mike Trout both homered as the Angels swept the Blue Jays. Is that significant? It would be if they weren't like 20 games below 500, I believe, but Justin Verlander left yesterday's start in the third inning. With a right calf injury, is that a cause for concern? He's the best pitcher in baseball right now. If it's bad, of course, it's a cause for concern. Last one, your boy Nick Kyrgios plays at the U.S. Open tonight. What do you expect? I expect a lot of yelling in every direction, specifically at his box. Yeah. We're out of time. We'll try and do better the next time. Kate, thank you for this tie. I'm Pablo Torre. Please check out ESPN Daily wherever you get the good podcasts. And now your sports center you know that we're together all week kid i mean you pass the audition we're together all week the figurative and literal basement that's all i know